Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. We're continuing in the book of James, and uh, this series is called Live It. And that means let's live what we say we believe as Christians. Amen? And this morning's topic is I'll be talking about judging. The Lord desires to help us to grow and spiritually mature when and if we allow Him to do this transformation in our hearts and lives. The core scripture for this series is James 1.22. You probably know it. Don't just listen to God's Word, period. Selah, stop, pause. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says, period. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. Uh, the key scriptures for this morning will be found in James 4, 11 through 17. And then we'll be going to Matthew 7, 1 through 2. And uh, just as a reminder, if you have the YouVersion app, you can uh, go to events, you can find Life Fellowship, and the slides and scriptures will be there so you can follow along or so you can go back and review the, the sermon uh, later in the week. James 4.11 says, Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. Remember, he's talking to Christians. He's talking to the early church. And he's saying that we shouldn't be speaking evil against one another. And I find it interesting that it's like, dear brothers and sisters, okay, let me remind you who I'm talking to. If we understand we're family, if someone is saying something about one of our family members, we should be, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Wait, wait. You're talking about my brother. You're talking about my sister. You're talking about my family. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to side with them. Uh, naturally, I'm going to side with them because they're my family. And when we begin to view one another as the family of God, when we begin to view one another as the body of Christ, I think it may change the, our, the way that we think about people and the way that we talk about people. Um, if we understand this, I, th I think it's going to make a change in our life. Consider if our physical body rebels against itself. We have physical problems. When the body of Christ rebels against itself, we have spiritual problems. Imagine that someone gets a transplant and their body rejects that organ. There's a problem. And so when we begin to uh, rebel against or speak against the body of Christ, then we have spiritual problems. I think one of the main reasons we talk about others and put other people down is because we are judging based on our standards you know somebody or maybe you've said this well he's weird based on what based on our preference based on our culture do we set the standard for what's weird and what's not weird she wears too much makeup well that's based on what you know um, does the world's culture determine our standards Yes, sometimes it does. Uh, honestly, when, you know, what I'm preaching in today would probably not have been acceptable 20, 30 years ago. So our, our, the culture changes and we adjust to the culture. 
Now, when I've gone, when I've been asked to speak at, at other churches and they wear a suit and tie, then I conform. I do according to their culture. But I'm glad we don't wear suits and ties here. <laughs> but anytime I go someplace, I'll ask, well, what, you know, what's the dress code? What, what do you want me to wear? Well, we want, want you to wear a suit and tie. I'm all over it. Uh, when I do funerals and weddings, I normally wear a suit and tie. But, uh, and, and today, you know, many churches, that is kind of their culture. They'll wear a suit and tie to church. And that, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. If that's their culture and that's what they want to do, uh, we just need to be sure that we don't get, that we don't uphold tradition and religious things ahead of the, the heart of the matter. And I've shared some stories with you before where people maybe weren't addressed according to the standard and they were looked down upon and things like that. Uh, but consider um, if you've ever seen a, a vehicle from the late 50s or uh, even the early 60s, you notice this, the style. The culture influenced even the vehicle styles. They had the, the uh, rear fenders with the fins on them, and they kind of looked like rocket ships. Well, what was going on in the culture then? We were in the space where we're trying to get the first man. And, you know, there was a lot of emphasis and excitement about what was going to happen in the future and space travel and all of those kinds of things. And you see it reflective in the, the vehicles of that day. So it's okay to be relevant to the culture around us as long as we're not violating God's word. Because God's word doesn't tell us to wear long pants or short pants or, you know, there's not, there's not those specifics in there for us. Now he does give us some guidelines. And I, I kind of talked about this last week. Women, if you're dressing inappropriately and causing a brother to stumble, then please dress modestly. And, you know, back in the 60s, they had the miniskirts, and that was fashionable. <laughs> but it probably caused a lot of young men to stumble and fall, you know. Uh, but it's okay to be relevant to the culture as long as we're not violating God's word. Our lifestyle and spiritual standards should be based on God's word, not the world's standards and culture. James 4.11, don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. Don't gossip about anyone. Don't say unkind words about one another. If you have a problem, go and talk to that person. Jesus says in Matthew 18, 15 through 29, if you haven't read that scripture or you're not familiar with that, go back and read that section. Jesus said, if you've got a problem with someone, go and talk to them. So we're talking about judgment today. We're talking about us being judgmental toward one another and others being judgmental toward us. We should speak life and blessings and encouragement to each other. So turn to your neighbor and tell them God really does love you. God really does love you. Tell your neighbor, you are powerful through Christ. <laughs> All right. You know, sometimes we just need to hear that, even in the church, to, to really hear that and, and, and get that down in our spirit, that God really does love us. Because we all make mistakes, and what does the enemy do? He comes in and says, oh, well, does God really love you? you? You messed up over here. You said that. You did that. Well, God's love is not conditional upon our performance. Now, I'm not saying there won't be consequences. If you jump off a 20-story building, you're going to hit the ground, and you're probably going to splatter. 
But God's love is not based on our performance. It's based on his love for us, and we come into this relationship through Christ. And we are powerful through Christ. We have the same mighty power living in us that raised Christ from the dead. Do we remember that as we go through life? We sang about victory today. A lot of the songs were about victory. The body of Christ is designed, equipped, empowered, expected to live in victory. But we have to follow the roadmap that God has placed before us to walk in victory. James 4.11 continues, If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. So how would we be criticizing and judging God's law or his boundaries? Are we a greater authority than God? Did we design the law of physics? Did we design the spiritual laws that we live by today? Don't criticize. Don't judge. Don't slander. Exodus 20, 16 is commandment number nine. It says, you must not testify falsely against your neighbor. So is it possible that our perspective of another person or um, our assessment of another person could be a false testimony, a false witness? Because if we don't have the whole picture, we could be saying something that is not correct. If we think we are the standard and everybody should act just like us or respond just like us, maybe that's part of our problem. He is the standard. The Word is the standard. You know, what, what is the truth in what we hear in the media today? I remember, uh, you know, the, the whole Kyle Rittenhouse thing is going on. And listen, I don't know what my verdict would be. But I know I wasn't there in the jury box. I know I didn't hear all the testimony. I didn't see all of that. My uh, judgment of the situation may have been the same. It may have been different. I don't know. But I know one thing. I was listening to one media source, and they were saying, they were saying something about him or the situation, and they were adamant about it. And then I heard another source that says, no, that wasn't true. You're hearing these things in the media and who knows what to believe these days. And so we need to be careful about making judgments when we don't have the full picture. We are, uh, many of you know, I think most of you know, that praise God, finally after six months, we're moving the house off our property. <laughs> Amen. Yes. And so last Wednesday... They were moving half the house, and uh, after life group, I, I drove down 146, and I passed the house. They were moving it, and I thought I need to go by the property and just check on things and make sure everything is good there. And so on the way back, uh, I passed the house again, and this time it was stopped on 146. I said, well, I guess I better pull over and you know, kind of see what's going on here. And uh, so I pulled over, and, and I pulled in the, the parking lot there, and I went and talked to the guys. And I said, hey, what, what's going on? And they said, well, we're having mechanical problems with the truck, but we've got it fixed now. And I said, oh, so you're having mechanical problems right in front of the strip joint on 146. Ah, mm-hmm, okay. How long have you been parked here? Now, now, what if somebody saw me pull in there and get out or see me go to my truck and get out, 
they may, may have a perception or they may make a wrong judgment about why I was there. I did not go in. That was not my purpose. But what I did was I took some photographs, and then they're, they're taking the, uh, the, the house down 146, and I'm getting a little video. So we're trying to uh, capture these things so that we have a history of what's going on. But imagine that somebody comes to you and says, hey, I saw Pastor Mark getting in to his truck or out of his truck at the Topless Bar. I would hope, I would hope that you would say, well, if that's true, I don't think that would be typical. I don't think that Pastor Mark would frequent those places or even go to those places. And, uh, you know, if he was there, I, I would assume that there was a reason that he was there. Not to get a lap, da- lap dance or, or any of that, right? And so what if somebody told you that? What would your response be? Well, my first question would be, well, what were you doing there? <laughs> my second question might be, well, you know, you saw this happen. Why are you telling me? Why are you telling me about this? I mean, maybe you should be talking to Pastor Mark about this. Why are you involving me in something that doesn't involve me? But since you have, then what we need to do is you and I, we need to go talk to Pastor Mark. We need to to find out what's going on here, right? And so hopefully that would be the situation, and I would say I was there. I was there. But... I was not there for maybe the, the purpose or the, the thing that you thought I was there for. And so we need to be careful how we judge situations and people because we may not know their heart or their motive. But I would hope that we would be gracious toward one another. Let me say it this way. Let's, let's change the, the characters in the situation. And let's say it wasn't Pastor Mark, it was you. And somebody goes, that same person goes to somebody else, and they says, hey, I saw so-and-so, fill in the blank, put your name in there, at the topless bar. What would your response be? I hope it would be, say, wait a minute, let, let's, let's, let's consider this. Let's go talk to them. Especially if they're an elder or pastor or leader in the church. I think it's 1 Timothy 5, 13 says, you should not bring a, an accusation against an elder unless there are two or three witnesses because one person can stir something up. But let's say that they saw you in that situation. Now, if you're a female, they may be thinking, oh, I didn't know she worked there part-time. What, that would be what, where we would probably naturally go unless we're thinking, wait a minute, this is my brother, this is my sister that I know. And that's not within the character of what I see in their lives. I don't think that's the, the kind of life and integrity that they have in their lives. And so if it were a female, you know, there could be an insinuation that they work there or that they frequent that place. If it's a male, it could be, oh, well, you know, I, I didn't know they, go, they went to those places. So we need to give grace to one another and not automatically assume things. And... I don't talk politics from the pulpit here. There are a lot of judgments being made today that may not have any validity. And there's a lot of uh, emphasis being put on racism today 
that when I, when I can assess what I see, I don't see it about racism at all. It's about other things. And, you know, just because one race shoots another or does something like that does not automatically mean it's a racist situation. If someone comes into my house, if someone breaks into my house, I'm not going to say, what color are you? Are you white, black, red, yellow? Oh, you're white? Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, you're black? I'm going to shoot you. You know, I mean, this, there is a, I believe that there's an agenda. I believe that there is a spiritual agenda that's being poured out on this nation to cause dissension and cause division. And it's not just happening in the world around us. It's infiltrating into the church. It should not be. I'm glad that we're a, a very diverse church. And I, I see color, but I, I'm not judging you. I'm not loving you more or less because of your color. Come on. This is about the kingdom of God, us coming together in unity, loving one another. So let's be careful about how we judge others. And let's be defensive of our brothers and sisters. Now, listen, if they're guilty of something, you know, maybe that's a situation that needs to be addressed. But if somebody came to me and said, hey, um, I just wanted to let you know that this person is saying they saw you at the topless bar, uh, in the parking lot of the topless bar on Wednesday, I would say, well, thank you for bringing that to me. Thank you. I appreciate that. Because let's clarify what was going on there. I was not in there. And this was a situation and if they drove by and the house was down the street and they knew nothing about the whole situation, they could have an inaccurate uh, perception or judgment. But we have to be really careful about those things. Jesus summarized the law in one commandment with two parts. Love God, love each other. Let's go to Matthew 22, 36-40. Ask Jesus, Teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is my first, and this is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So if we loved one another like we love ourselves... If we took them out of the situation that we're judging them in and put ourselves in that situation, how would we want that handled? Maybe a little differently. Maybe we wouldn't be talking to somebody else about a situation that we're really not abreast of and don't know the fullness of. Maybe we would implement Matthew 18 and say, listen, I, you know, I, I saw this and can we talk about it? Back to James 4.11, don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. What is the greatest commandment? Love God. Love one another. Love one another as we love ourselves. See, we, we really don't have a problem loving ourselves too much, but we have a problem loving others like we love ourselves. And James 4.11 continues, but your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. 
as a responsible citizen, when you see the speed limit sign, hopefully you obey, but you, you don't determine the, what the speed limit is. You don't enforce the speed limit. You simply choose to obey or not. Uh, when, well, let me ask you this. Why do we have speed limit signs? To protect us and to protect others? Why does God set boundaries in his word and say you need to follow these to protect us and to protect others? How many of you have ever texted while, while you were driving? How many of you are lying right now in church? <laughs> okay. Uh, some, some cities ban texting while driving, which I think would be a great idea. I, I think in Corpus Christi, it's a, you can get a violation if you're driving and texting. But imagine that you're in Corpus Christi and, and you're texting and driving and you get pulled over. And the officer says, uh, excuse me, uh, you were texting and driving. Yeah, well, uh, I live in Houston. <laughs> That's the norm. Uh, well, sir or madam, uh, you're not in Houston. You're in Corpus Christi. Well, I follow the laws of, of what's up there, and that's the law I want to follow. Okay, sign here, please. Thank you very much. Have a good day. See, we don't get to, we don't get to choose what the laws are. It's, it's our role unless it's contrary to the Word of God, right? But we are to obey the law, and that's why we need to put people into office that are going to represent godly values because they are the ones making and instilling the laws that we have to follow. So if, if, we're, if, if we have ungodly things going on in our communities and, and in our society, maybe we need to look at the church and say, what are we doing? Who are we voting into office? We have a right and a responsibility to stand up for the Word of God. And so, you know, again, I, I don't want to get political here, but, you know, a lot of our problems are because people don't vote. Or we vote people into office, and then we say, well, you know, we don't like the way it's going. Well, you know, somebody told me fairly recently, well, we need to have uh, term, um, term limitations. I said, we do. It's called voting. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, you know, we need to understand that, the laws are given for our protection and for us. God has set boundaries, and he has designed these boundaries and rules or laws, whatever you want to call them, for our good. Imagine that you have a son or daughter, and you say, Son, daughter, you're at the age now where you're going to start making your own decisions. I'm going to let you call the shots for your life. You're, you're, you should be acting like an adult now. And so I'm giving you this latitude. Now you have the responsibility. But I want you to, I, I've been training you up. It's time you start acting like an adult now. I say, well, well Dad, I'm only six years old. <laughs> now, that would be pretty foolish because what would the child want? Well, for breakfast, let's see, I'm going to have ice cream and cotton candy. <laughs> I'm going to stay up till 3 in the morning playing video games. We wouldn't do that. Children need clearly defined, consistent boundaries to help them. We are children of God. We need boundaries too because we can go off the rail as adults. And I, there was a, a, an experiment done, and I've shared this with some of you before, but 
They had children on a playground that did not have any boundaries or a fence. And typically the children would huddle close together at the center of the playground. Why? Because it was safe. There was safety there. They, they uh, put the children in a playground that had a fence, boundaries. They would spread out. They would kick the fence. They would push on the fence. They would climb on the fence. But they were checking to make sure that the boundaries were there and safe. And so we need boundaries too. Our children need boundaries. And we wouldn't give them free reign to just go and do whatever they want. We would, as parents and grandparents, we have a responsibility to train up our children. And if we say, well, don't worry about it. You don't have to obey. Well, at some point in time, they're going to have to obey. They need to learn obedience as, as a child. And, you know, uh, Pastor Christine taught K-4 for five years. And every week during the, the school term, they would have a phrase that they would have to memorize. And so she would have anywhere from 13, 14, 15, 18 children in a classroom, four-year-olds by herself. So there had to be some structure there. There had to be control. And uh, there had to be rules. And so the first thing that they learned uh, of every semester, the first week, is what do you say? Let's obey. Because she needed to instill that they need to follow the rules. Or otherwise, can you imagine 12 or 13 or 14 four-year-olds and, and no rules? And so she got a call from one of the parents one time. They said, I, I think little Johnny's missed it. He's come home with this, this thing he needs to memorize. And, and he's saying, what do you say? Disobey. <laughs> and she said, no, that, that's, not, that's not the right phrase. What do you say? Let's obey. Not what do you say? Disobey. So she had to establish those things so that the other children would be able to learn and for their protection. Verse uh, John, uh, James 4, 11 continues, But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. Problems arise in the church when believers live compromised lives. When there's an attitude of, well, I know the word says this, however, I choose to obey or disobey, rather, I choose to disobey what I know to be right. Or, well, you know, I know that's what the Word says, but it's different. It's different for me. It's different for this relationship. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. Or, well, that law applies to you, but it doesn't apply to me. And then we see people's lives, we see people's marriages, we see people's children and family suffer the consequences, and it should break our heart. Some of us may be able to look back through the lives of our ancestors to see how their issues do and have had an impact or contributed to our issues. So, you know, I'm not saying that those things can't be passed down. Well, my great-grandfather was an alcoholic. My grandfather was an alcoholic. My dad was an alcoholic. My uncles are alcoholics. My cousins are alcoholics. Okay, Jesus came to break that chain. Jesus came to break that curse. Jesus came to set us free. Jesus can break the chains of generational curses, addictions, and our issues Jesus came to set us free, but we have to yield to him. Listen, I know that the book of James is a tough book to go through, 
But James loved the church. He loved the people enough to say, look, we need to establish some boundaries, some, some things that you can apply to your daily life. I love you enough to teach you these things and say, look, we all need to grow. The world is going crazy. It's chaotic. But we should be solidly focused on the Lord and allowing him to do this process. We should be praying for exposure of the things that are wrong. But what if God starts in the church first? I think he will. I think he has. I think he is going to. I think he is doing that. So what are we doing? Are we um, giving in to the world and the culture, the things that we know that we shouldn't be doing? And I'm not talking about getting legalistic and ritualistic here. I'm talking about allowing God to come into our heart and change our, our, our broken lives and to bring health and healing to us and help us to grow and mature. This series is about us becoming mature and growing. Our core scripture, Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, and these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher for equipping the saints. That's my role. That's the role of leadership, that we're equipped, that we get equipped, but also that we equip, train, encourage, and release so that you can go train, encourage, equip, release, so that we, these gifts are given to the church so that we come uh, mature in our faith, that we come into unity in Christ, and that we have this relationship with the Lord. It's not just something for us to talk about or read about. It's something that we are to go out and live it. James 4.12, God alone who gave the law is the judge. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Verse 12 continues, he alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? Have you ever walked in their shoes? Do you know what's going on in their life? Unfair judgments may be based on inaccurate perceptions and inaccurate accusations. Well, that person is just rude to me. Well, maybe they didn't hear you say hello. Maybe they've got a lot of things going on in their life right now, and they're, they're somewhere else. I want to have a TAW moment. TAW stands for Transparent, Authentic, and Honest. And there's a particular store that we go to on a regular basis, and sometimes we have to return items. And there's a particular person there that is usually at customer service. And I would say nine times out of ten, she's just rude. Got a nasty attitude, rude. I don't even like to go up there and talk to her because I'm like, oh, no, it's her. (laughs) So... I went a few, day, a few weeks ago, a few days ago, really, and uh, I said, hey, I'm here to pay this bill. And she said, it's already been paid. And I said, well, how was it paid? And she said, it was put on this other credit card. I'm like, oh, no, that's the wrong. I said, okay. So I go home, and I talk to my wife, and she calls. And anyway, there's just been a, a miscommunication. And I said, you know what? This lady is rude to me every time I go in there, and I don't know what I've done. I I think I'm just going to go in there and ask her, what's her problem? You know, have I done something? 
And you know what my wife said? She said, you know what, Pastor? That's a great idea. Actually, that's not what she said. (laughs) That's what I wanted her to say. She said, why don't you just go in there and be kind? My perception of her is that she's a very hurting, wounded, miserable woman. Maybe you should just go in there and be kind to her. Continue to be kind to her. Be nice to her. Don't have an attitude. Pastor. Um, I want to share another story. Some of you have heard this story. But uh, when, when we went to India a few years ago, we were going to a conference to minister and teach and, and train uh, hundreds of pastors. And so our pastor, Pastor Don, he uh, invited Christine and I to go, Pastor Christine and I to go. And he told me, he said, uh, I'm going to want you to speak at one of the sessions. I said, okay. Uh, Is there anything in particular you want me to teach on? He said, no, just, you know, Christ-centered message. I said, okay. And I said, well, how long would you like for me to speak? He said, 30 no, no more than 45 minutes. I said, okay. So on the 24, 30, 30-hour 30 flight, whatever it was, to India, I'm, I'm asking the Lord what he wants me to teach. And so he gives me a message. And I'm like, okay, I got it. So I'm ready. And uh, so uh, the, these conferences were like three, two, three, four days, something like that. So before one session, we had multiple sessions each day. Pastor Don says, okay, I, I want you to speak at this next session. And I said, okay. He said, be the bullet. I said, uh, be the bullet? I, I don't know what that means. And he said, well, you know, just get in and get out. I'm thinking, okay. Well, he told me, you know, 30 to 45 minutes, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to get in and get out. Well, after about 20 minutes, you know, I could tell he was irritated, and he wanted me to, to stop and, and move on. And, and so I shut it down. And... Uh, he said, uh, you took your time and Pastor Christine's time. I said, well, I, I thought you wanted me to, to teach for, you know, 30 to 45 minutes. And so I taught like 20 minutes. And so clearly he, he was not pleased with that. And I was not happy about it because I thought I was doing what he asked me to do. But this is the thing that I learned from that. Miscommunicated or misunderstood expectations results in disappointment. Because I thought I was doing what he wanted me to do. He thought I understood that he wanted something different. And so uh, regarding our relationships, let's try to be clear about our expectations. Let's try to you know, have those conversations where we can be honest and be clear. And because... That's where a lot of the problems, I think, comes in with our our personal relationships. That's one of the the biggest challenges for me and my wife is this communication thing. You know, I think she's saying this or she thinks I'm saying that. And so we have to find a way to communicate where we understand because miscommunicated or misunderstood expectations results in disappointment. So sometimes... We, we need to understand that maybe I missed it. So I'm thinking, I missed it. I'm not blaming Pastor Don. I'm saying, okay, I misunderstood, and I'll take that on. But we have a responsibility to communicate effectively back and forth. 
And I know uh, my boss, uh, when I worked in, in R&D, there were times when he would tell me something, and I would say, okay, so you're asking me to do this or this or this. Yeah, that's okay, got it. You know, there were times when he'd say, okay, uh, I, have, I have a list of things I want you to do. This is, a prior, uh, this is number one priority, and this is number one priority. This is number two and three. Whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. You have to choose, Paul, which one is the priority. This one or that one. You can't have two number ones. You, you can have a one and a one A, but you can't have two number ones. And so many times we get into situations because there's a lack of communication or poor communication or not listening or not understanding. And so we can avoid some of these issues if, if we have this relationship where we can be honest and transparent and authentic with one another. I don't understand what you're saying. I, I don't understand what you mean by that. It's okay. This is part of the relationship building. And, and because we don't do these things, it can create a lot of tension and a lot of stress between relationships and marriages or, or boss-employee uh, uh, relationships or things like that. Let's see what Jesus says in Matthew 7, 1 and 2. Don't judge others, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. Again, it goes back to the, the greatest commandment, love God and love one another as yourself. What if we were in that situation? How would we want to be treated? Would we want them to give us grace? Would we want them to give us the benefit of the doubt? For in the way that you judge others, you will be judged. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Want grace? Give grace. Want encouragement? Give encouragement. See, there's a, a principle truth here. Given it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's a biblical principle and truth. A lot of pastors use that for tithes and offerings, but really he's talking about forgiveness. But it, it's, a, it's a principle that applies to tithe and offering. It applies to grace. It applies to forgiveness. It applies to love. It's a truth and a principle that we can walk out and there are tangible uh, effects of that when we do that. When the Bible says it's wrong, it's not wrong some of the times. It's wrong. If the Bible says it's sin, it's sin. I had a situation, I'm having another tall moment here, where I was considering something. And I was thinking, okay, Lord, this seems like compromise. But, you know, I could kind of justify. But the Word says if it's sin, it's sin. Well, wait, let's, let's strip away all the stuff and let's get to the heart of the matter. No, that's not right. It's wrong. So there is no more discussion about it. It's clear. So, you know, if, if someone says... Um, Say someone is having sex outside of marriage, and you say, you know what, that's not according to God's purpose and plan for your life. Well, you're judging me. No, I'm not judging you. I'm coming into alignment with what the Word of God says, and I'm telling you this because I love you and because I care about you. And that's the kind of relationship the body of Christ is supposed to have, not that we're looking to get someone or looking for their faults, but do we love one another enough to say, look, 
this is not right. What you're doing is causing damage to your relationship. This is not God's purpose and plan for you. Uh, another thing I want to say is not getting caught in sin does not make it okay. <laughs> Just because you don't get caught. I remember pulling in Walmart one day, and there was a guy at, at, at the back of his car, and he had the trunk open, and he started undoing his belt and his pants. I'm like, wow, mm, there's a bathroom in Walmart, and he starts pulling out shoes out of his out of his pants and putting them in his trunk and some other things. And I went from Pastor Mark to Detective Mark. I got my phone, and I was taking pictures of his license plate and him and his car and everything. And I just watched him for a little bit. He got in his car after he unloaded all these items, and, and uh, he got in his car, and he's sitting there. And so I pull around, and I go in the store, and I ask to speak to the manager. And, and I said, hey, there, I explained the situation. I said, he may have an accomplice because he's sitting in his car. And the manager's like, okay. I'm like, okay, you're going to call the police or what? And he said, no, because unless they steal a certain value, you know, we don't do anything. I was frustrated. I was irritated by that. And I think next time I'll just call the police. But I said, you're not going to do anything? And he, and he said, no. I'm like, well, this is a waste of time. What, what are you saying? You're saying it's okay? Well, just because you don't get caught doesn't mean it's okay. And the other thing I want to say is forgiveness of sin doesn't mean it's no longer a sin. It's God's grace. We've all been forgiven by the Lord. And we've all been forgiven by other people. Hopefully, we have all forgiven other people. Back to James, James 4.13. Look here. You who say, today or tomorrow, we are going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. So are we, are we asking the Lord what His purpose and plan is? Listen, there's, there's no, uh, nothing wrong with having goals, making plans. Those things are okay. However, are we seeking the Lord? Are we saying, Lord, what do you have for me today? What would you like for me to do? Is there some, something on your heart for me? Is there somebody that you want me to pray for or, or minister to today? Is there, is there something that you want me to do? Yeah, I have to go to work. Yeah, I have these, these other tasks. But are we willing to allow God to redirect our plans? There have been a few times when I have a sermon ready for Sunday and maybe Friday. The Lord says, eh, I don't want you to teach that on Sunday. I want you to teach something else. Why well, I already have everything ready. I have all the slides, but you know what? You're the boss. So if you want me to teach on something else, you tell me what you want me to teach on, and that's what we'll do. James 4.15, what you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. It's about, it's really about, it's not about not having goals or, or you know, having plans, but it's, it's really about coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, what do you want? Is this in accordance with what you want me to do? Would you like for me to go to this customer service rep and rip her head off? I'm just presenting that. No? Okay, well, I won't do that. I'll follow my wife's uh, good 
wise advice and show love. Pray for me. Um, so otherwise, he goes on to say in verse 16, otherwise you are boasting about your own plans and all such boasting is evil. When we have success, do we give the Lord the credit and the thanks? Or is it all, is it all about us? Verse James 4.17, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. So when we know what the boundaries are, when we know what the speed limit is, and we choose to exceed that, then we could get a ticket. And even so, we probably should obey the law because it's there for our good, for our protection, and the protection of others. And so when we know the Word of God and we understand His heart, are we choosing to obey? We don't set the boundaries. We don't enforce the boundaries. We simply obey what he's asked us to do. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe this morning God is speaking to your heart and you don't have a relationship with him or you did at one point in time and you've walked away. If that's you, would you slip up your hand? Anybody here this morning? No shame in that. Maybe you're watching online, if that's you. I'd like for you to just pray this simple prayer. Just say, dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. I receive your grace, your mercy, and your forgiveness today, right now, for everything in my past. And I thank you for this new beginning. I thank you for this fresh start. I thank you for this new day. And I receive this newness of life right now. As your word says, I'm washed clean. I'm a new creation. All those things are gone. My sin is as far as the east is from the west. And I, I thank you, Jesus, for coming into my heart and life. If you prayed that prayer, I want to pray one more prayer for you. Lord God, I pray for the, the fire and the, the power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit over everyone that prayed that prayer that they would experience you in a fresh new dimension as they read your word. Lord God, that your word would come alive as they pray. They, their sensitivity to your Holy Spirit would increase. They would hear your small, still voice speaking to their hearts. God. We hope today's message encouraged you. For more information about our church, please visit our website, lifefellowship.me. We invite you to join us again next week for another life-changing, uplifting message. And remember to live it.